0: I'm locked, I'm locked up done. in memories They all intertwine The memories within in my mind I know tomorrow Cause that zone will come You will never know just what you
2: Hello there, this is uh, Victoria Kelly And uh, good evening everyone uh, Welcome to the NASCA Stop Child Abuse Now Blog Talk Radio Show NASCA is the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. My name is Victoria Kelly, and I'm my, your host for the evening. And uh, my co-host is uh, Penelope, and we are in scan number three one four eight. I mean, there's been this is our S show, and they're all archived. So we hope you can listen to some other ones. I'm excited to uh, introduce you to our special guest this evening. However, first. We have a single purpose at NAVSCA to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas, and we do so with only two goals, educating the public, especially as related to helping society get over its taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, presenting facts showing that child abuse is a pandemic worldwide rights everyone offering hope and healing through numerous paths, providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse, and for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. Again, we are on scan number 3148, and if you would like to be part of the panel this evening, please call 646-595-2118 and push the number one, and you can be part of the panel. And uh, my co-host will meet you on the back and ask if you would like to ask a question or have anything to say. And we would love to have you join us and support our guests. If you can't make it tonight, we hope you can come on another evening. We have our shows Monday through Friday night at the same time. You can also access any of our past shows by going to org and searching for the scan number of the show you wish to access or the date. Now, tonight our special guest is uh, Dave Censon. Um, from New York City, an abuse survivor himself, Steve thinks there needs to be more accountability and consequences for adult abusers. He'll describe his own personal strug- struggles as an abuse survivor and how he is thriving today in identifying some of the characteristics, trauma, of adult survivors. Steve is an award-winning child advocate who has created the Teen and Young Adult Survival Handbook, a small life saving guide. Covers many of the issues being young people today: suicide, bullying, physical abuse, verbal abuse, self-worth, being the child of an addict, etc. Steve discusses the and states, the, I'm sorry, and staffs, in fact, child abuse and neglect, his own personal struggles as an abuse survivor, and how he's thriving today. This CDC report says that at least one in seven children have experienced childhood abuse or neglect. Likely an underestimate, and according to Administration for Child and Family, uh, for children and families, 76 percent of the childhood perpetrators were a parent to their victim. We often hear about the abuse case while the victim has grown up, but what happens to the abuser and perpetrators? Are they held accountable for their actions? Steve speaks directly from a survivor's point of view. He's not a doctor, lawyer, or mental health professional, but his passion now, but we're there and his passion is a passionate child advocate who volunteers in speaking at schools and throughout various communities to help spreading a healing message of hope. Welcome, Steve, and thank uh, you for having me. Really nice. Yeah, yeah. So, um uh, like I usually say, um, uh, well, of we're very glad to have you and uh. This is your show. I'm just going to let you go ahead and about third of the way break, or about 15 minutes maybe break and uh, see if any of the, the panel members have any uh, questions. And I think uh, I've got uh, Dr. Nancy out here. Are you my co-host tonight, Dr. Nancy? Yes, ma'am. Oh, fantastic. I always I <laughs> get confused quite a bit. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you're on tonight. And again, we have. Steve Simpson, and then uh, we're just going to let him go ahead and get going here. Yeah. Okay. You're on, Great. <laughs> well, yeah. I always like to start from the
3: beginning, which would be childhood, obviously, give you an idea what my journey was. So we'll, we'll start in early grades, uh, first, second, third grade, elementary school. So what kind of student I was. Now, you guys know what it is to be an A student, right? Okay. I was a Z student. Okay. I was the opposite of an A student. Uh, always mm-hmm. failed. If the teacher said, hey, uh, no one's going to fail this test guide, they all look at me and I smile and wave, always interrupting the class, uh, always making jokes, constantly joking, constantly kidding around, uh, constantly getting thrown out of class. If there was a, an assembly, you knew within five minutes I'd be walked out of the assembly by a dean or a teacher or somebody. Um, now, and um, like I said, the guy you want to hang out with was the kid you want to hang out with. Be with me at lunch because I was always, again, making jokes, always getting attention, a lot of energy. That was me. My lowest grade, by the way, was a negative 20. And you might say, well, how would you get a negative 20? So during tests, remember, we're talking about low grades. We're talking about first grade, second grade, you know, third grade, those, that type of era. And I used to be very jealous of what I call the smart kids in the class. Not so much that they would get better grades, but in my head, I thought that if you were smart, you had a great home life. That was what I thought back then. And your parents were great. They loved you. Everything was like the Brady Bunch. And so I would try to distract the smart kids and get them to mess up, you know, uh, push their hands so they write on their test, whatever I can do. And There's one kid he had nerves of steel. I could not distract this kid. So I actually got out of my seat to walk over to do something, and the teacher said, you. Get back in your seat, and whatever you get, I'm taking off 20 points. And I figured I'd show her. I saw, smiled and said, "Then I'm not going to even try. I get a zero. And then she showed me and said, no, negative 20. Okay, so this was my school situation. Now, I would try to pass somehow, I but usually by trying to cheat. And I would spend a couple hours a night sometimes if there was a test trying to figure out how I can cheat and pass this test. Sneak answers somewhere under my desk, anything. And my friends would say, why don't you just study? It would take half the time. We could hang out more. And I would go, why bother? See, I honestly thought that if I even studied, I would still fail. I, almost, I just figured I was a failure. And where did all that come from? What was my problem? Well, my father was a violent, abusive alcoholic and he was both physically and verbally abusive to me. Now, the physical stuff, I always used to call that he had a snap temper. That's how I identified him as, okay, because he could be talking to you like I'm talking to you right now, and everything seemed fine. And all of a sudden, it seemed like out of nowhere you got smacked, you got punched, pushed, pushed off the chair. You liked to throw a lot of things. You throw things at you, throw a lot of things at you at once, push the, dinner, the food on the table, uh, and then was it going to end at that, or was it going to chase you around the house? That was, You never knew how long it was going to be, and that was always my concern, being abused. And it was always the bewilderment, because, again, he could even be making jokes. You had a sense of humor, too. Uh, and so, But for me, though, the more damaging part was the verbal abuse. I know verbal abuse is taken lightly today, uh, and we'll discuss it maybe a little later in conversations that I have with parents but for me, it was the constant, constant, I was basically born, hearing that no one wants me, um, I'm a failure, stupid. If I even would accomplish something, it would just say big deal. It's one, one time. It's not anyone could have done that. So it was always beating the self-esteem. And that was the cause of my being a Z student, as I used to identify myself at. I had no self-esteem whatsoever. And it's the, not the physical abuse, but interesting enough, it was the verbal abuse that caused me from 11 years old on to start thinking about suicide. I actually tried it the first time when I was 11. And I was stressed to everyone that, no, it was not for attention. Uh, and, uh, yes, I just wanted out. And I used to say something back then. I actually, one of the lines I use in my books now, I used to say, I don't want to die. I just don't want to live. And you might say, that's the same exact thing. And it really wasn't. I was 11 years old. I had no idea I was being dead. I wasn't a theologian. Okay, but... I knew what it was like being alive. And being alive was constant drama, constant pain, and always that worry, always that what's going on. I mean, the reason why I couldn't concentrate in school was because if I got abused the night before, or maybe he abused my mother in front of me. And, of course, you always dreaded what was wrong with Fridays because now you have the weekend. And as much as at that time period I didn't do great in school, it was a love-hate relationship because one thing that school did do for me, it got me out of the house. And when there was a weekend or a holiday, okay, I would kind of dread it because it was more time spending with him. And if anyone's an abuse victim, which I know that your um, audience is, what's the thing we learned very early on? The longer I spend with this man, the better chance I have of getting abused. Spend as little time as possible. Get away from that table. I, I learned how to eat real fast. In fact, to this day, I, I still eat fast. My friends all tease me and joke around. They, they see, one says, you make me nervous you eat so fast. Yeah, that was my technique to get away from things. Um, now, again, uh, back and forth, skipping some things, uh, back and forth, here. but at one point, by t- again, like I said, eleven suicide, by the time I was 12, uh, ran away a bit, I was what you call a couch surfer, uh, which that means I would just run and stay at a friend's house for a day or so, wherever it was, and then come back and forth, uh, there was even one time period, and as much as this might sound crazy, but if you know the family court system, it may not sound crazy, is that he also had the money. He also had the bullying power. My mom was a co-dependent at that time, unfortunately, always trying to patch things up. And one of the worst things you could ever say to an abused victim is, well, just don't do that anymore or, 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 or just try to do this. Once again, now you just told that kid it's their fault they're being abused. And that was the thing with me, too, because always guilt. You know, and My father would tell me everything was my fault. I remember there were times he was so drunk sometimes he could not even talk. He would literally point at me. And I know what he was saying, your fault. Uh, And, of course, I didn't know as a kid this man was drinking long before I was born. Uh, But all that guilt was powered on me, which also added, of course, to the destroying of self-esteem and blaming myself. The only thing I gave myself credit for back then was creative writing. I loved to write. It was my escape. It was my escape from all these things. And one of the things I did in my early, yes, elementary grade was I cut school. I got away with it because no one dreamed this young grade kid was cutting school. But where would I go? I went to the public library, okay, and I'd go in there and I'd read books,
2: and I realize
3: now looking back as an adult, my reading comprehension was years ahead of what I was supposed to be, and I would write. My famous line to the librarian or the clerk, clerk who I was at the desk was, do you have a pen and paper for me? And sometimes they even give me a pad, uh, a pen, and I would just write short stories, poems, proses. I didn't know what they were called proses, but I was writing them. And what a commentary here. Talk about the epitome of a low self-esteem abused kid. I'm cutting out of school because I think I'm a failure. I'm, I'm, I'm stupid. But I'm in the library reading books and writing stories. And that's the image of a kid with a self-esteem. Well, eventually, detective services did get involved with me. And they did take custody, and they put me in foster care. And I was in two foster homes, one for a month and one for a year. Uh, And eventually my mom did totally have nothing to do with him and did get her own place. And eventually, God bless, I went back to her. But during that time period, I know there's a lot of negative things said about foster care, but both these families were wonderful. And, uh, well, by the way, one thing I learned in foster care from the parents was when they got an argument, I would break myself. Oh, here it comes. No abuse. They would argue. They argued the point out. They didn't call each other horrible names. They certainly didn't physically abuse each other, and it was over. And that was a lesson to me to see how a healthy family works out a problem. But one of the things when you're in foster care is they kind of mandate therapy or if you want to go self-help groups, which I did that. And I go into this self-help group, teenage group, and uh, one of the first things I noticed was there's smart kids there. <laughs> and I actually said to one girl, what are you doing here? Are you doing like a school assignment or something? And she laughed and said, no, Steve, you'll see. And some of these kids who, I, again, would put them in this more category, tried suicide more times than I thought about it. And I can't, and I And all of a sudden, some of us sharing the things that their dads or abusers, sometimes as a mom, were calling them. And this was a revelation to me because it was the same exact things that my father called me. Now, wait a minute. You're a teacher's dream. You're a parent's dream. You have great, great... Why would he call you that? Me, I can see. Um, but why would he call you that? And I'm a teacher's nightmare. And, and that was the point that I learned. It had nothing to do with my school grades. It had nothing to do with my personality. It had nothing to do with anything about me. Because if he had one of these kids as his, as his son or his daughter, he would abuse them too. Because an abuser does not abuse us because of what we do or who we are or what we say they abuse us because they're an abuser and that's what they do and then part of their thing is to their victims they make us think that it's our fault that was an amazing revelation for me because i, I can't tell you the guilt that came off me um and, and got a self-worth at that point Now, another thing that happened was i had bought some poems and things that i wrote and some of the girls in the group read it it was mostly girls in the group and they said, this is amazing. I, I can't write like this. Why aren't you doing good in school? You're smarter than me. And I was, I'm not smarter than you. I said, yes, you are. But I never even tried. And they said, you're not trying because your father, who was a hopeless alcoholic, called you all these names. No credibility, Steve. So they would actually teach me how to study, okay, which wasn't so hard. You read the chapter, and the questions are probably on the chapter pay attention in class. (laughs) Slow down the jokes until at least you get to lunch. And I did that. And bit by bit, wasn't overnight, eventually just started passing. Then did better than passing. Then I remember making an 85 hours I made the honor roll. And then I I almost made a game out of it. Well, if I get two more answers right, my grade will be this. One more answer right, my grade will be that. I almost made it like a, again, almost like a gambling thing. And before you know it, all 90s. I was a National Junior Honor Society, okay? Um, and, of course, I joined sports for fun because one thing I would tell people is if, whether it's a sport or a club, if you join something in school, you don't hate the building as much. You're not rushing out 3 o'clock to get out, uh, and that's basically what I did. Got some medals in wrestling, MVP for track. And the best thing I always talk about is they made me student of the month, not just my class my entire grade, and they hung that picture up in the hallway as a model student for a month. I used to always laugh when I saw the picture because only two years before that, that same picture would be a dartboard in the teacher's faculty room, okay? (laughs) What happened? When I was picking on these smart kids, I was a smart kid, okay? I just didn't know it, and this was the the overall effects to my self-esteem, Okay, from all the verbal abuse. And again, the physical abuse had its play too. I didn't like to look adults in the eye back then, didn't know if they were gonna hit me or not. Um but again, verbal abuse, that again, that constant guilt, that was a damage. And it was not start, never stopping from there. I, I, once I had that self-esteem, I didn't finish school like I should have and really go further with it, but it did help me be a successful business person, mortgages, and as well obviously as a writer with four books out right now. Um, so um, I spent a pause at this point in questions, but I did spend most of my life at this point talking to shows like this, uh, speaking to schools, which I love doing, middle schools, high schools, colleges, um, and so, my my goal basically is, you know, I, I thought that I was alone. I know it's a cliche, you're not alone, but I really did think I was the only one. One of the problems with school is that everyone's always fronting. You know, they always talk about what a great life they have and the great holiday they had, and about a, 25% of them are lying. <laughs> okay, and yeah. I just thought I was yeah. the only one. You know,
2: and mm-hmm. my goal is to so make others realize you're not I, the only can one. Can I ask um, how old were you when, um, when when all the I, I don't know if I wasn't, I but what? How old were you when you, uh, um, went to whatever, um, support group or whatever it was you were going to that that you attacked other kids that were, that were smart and stuff?
3: I, I remember it, um, it was two I, weeks I after my thirteenth birthday. I <laughs> remember clearly.
2: Wow. Uh, I I joined wow. that group. That's very interesting. Very interesting because I was going to drop out at sixteen. And my boyfriend, who was just wonderful, told me, no, stay in school and get the, the," and my grandparents were going to sign the papers and everything, and I was going to get it at school and all. And uh, anyway, he says, no, no. He says, get the book. And I go, I don't even know what to pick. He says, just pick the ones that sound interesting. You're smart, you know, and I (laughs) thought I'm stupid. No, just pick what you're interested in. So I did, and I got all A's and one B, and I had been in the slow learners class. I went to the, the counselor and said, I want these classes. He says, you can't have those. I says, why not? He says, because those are um, college prep classes, and you're not going to college. <laughs> wow. <laughs> straight out. You know? Yeah. So even though I got A's and B's, I, I still, you know, had that in the back of my head, but I'm not going to college. You know, even <laughs> though I did very, all A's and one B in my whole last four years of school. But, but it's very interesting to just have one person even believe in you, and I try to stress that to parents and other people I work with kids, you know? Um, so I, I just wanted to stop you there and say that because just that, you know, having that one person in my life, I had all the other negativity and stuff like you were talking about. And there doesn't seem like anybody that could give a shit, you know? No,
3: no. And, and, and you, you said something with, and it sounds so simple, but just having two things, having someone that has confidence in you, Okay, okay. And the other part is that it's just there for you. That they they even if you made a mistake, they they're still your friend. Okay? They're still there yeah. because let's face it. When you didn't make mistakes, you were abused in your house and called, and treated like a failure. So when you actually did yeah. something wrong, it was the end of the world. Right. You know. And right. and and, you, right. and and that and, that's, and as adults, many of us carry, they don't get help, they carry that and, and they just brace themselves and they do something wrong they beat up on themselves. And they they don't, you know, they they just give up. Because I did this. you know. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing we had mm-hmm. learned is years ago, you're not your mistake. Your mistakes don't define you unless you let them define you. But mm-hmm. that, that, it's,
2: it's a mistake. It's not you. Mm-hmm.
3: And I think that's the
2: thing. That yeah, because I hear a lot of people think, kind of um, I, I really wish I went to college or, you know, I'd go to college now, but I'm too dumb or, you know. And, mm-hmm. I, yeah, like you said, we carry those messages, you know. And these people are doing amazing things. You know, but, yeah, they're not but, getting, but it's oh, interesting right. because
3: those tapes will play. You know, I, I even see celebrities, and then you see something <sighs> in personal life, and you, you know out the bat, okay, you're an alcoholic parent. <laughs> you get to tell it because, yeah. because it's something they'll just do. And as successful as they are, they could be on oh, TV, yeah. music, uh, Grammy Awards, millions, and yet you still see, yep. though, the effects, maybe because they didn't get the help they needed, you see the effects of their childhood still weighing out. Um, I, I right. remember one um, person from a band committed suicide a few years ago, and he just said, I, I just can't let go of my pain in my childhood. And it was so sad, but it had that individual perhaps gone to therapy, okay, or
2: self-hope mm-hmm. or whatever,
3: he maybe could have,
2: you know, uh, right. let go of that. Yeah, and I think that's one thing we're trying to, you know, reach out to people and say there is hope, you know. And, and to me, you know, like when I got into um, – getting sober just because a friend asked me to come and listen to her talk. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I was supporting her. I knew I was a hopeless alcoholic, you know, so it wasn't going to work for me. But I stayed sober that from that moment on. And anyway, um, you know, she believed in, I always say she loved me before I could love myself, you know, Mm -hmm. and, uh, but I walked in there hopeless. And I I have a life today that I could have never imagined, ever, 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 ever imagined. And I just felt it that and it I it think felt that's it. important, too, because a lot,
3: a lot of people, mm-hmm. like you said, whether it's drugs or alcohol carrying to their lives or just one bad relationship at the other, and they'll, they'll say a line like, I just have the worst luck relationship. It's not luck. It's what you're accepting. It's what you're looking for yeah. or you become a target because abusers do have a way of just sniffing us out, you know, and, awesome. and knowing who for. the next target is.
2: Mm-hmm. I used to like so that I, bad men, and then I hear other women say, and now I I and men too I pick bad women." And I said, you know what? they pick you."
1: <laughs>
2: you know? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Unless you get healthy, but they almost don't. don't they can't boundaries or whatever. But but they do. They go after vulnerable people like you. Said. Abusers are abusive no what you do, you know. And uh, of course, they're doing that.
3: Yeah. And one message yeah. I can give to any parents or I call them co-dependent parents is like I said earlier as a child, you know the worst thing you're doing is telling your kids they could have maybe avoided the abuse that's so wrong they couldn't avoid the abuse because that abuser was going to be going to abuse them no matter what and I almost I, it's that's funny because right. I always say codependency is like they say alcohol is a disease, um overeating could be a disease, gambling, and I say codependency, in my opinion, is a disease amongst itself. Uh, because it overrides the natural instinct of a parent to protect their child. And instead, their fear of being alone, okay, people-pleasing, okay, takes over. And they literally lose that instinct to protect their child from an abuser. And it's not just, by the way, their husband or their wife. but so there's many t- situations, I'm sure you've experienced this, where the the, the adult, let's say it's the mom, keeps getting into one bad relationship with the other, and each one's an abuser. And that child is subject to all these different abusers. And what happens then is that the child eventually thinks these things have to be right about me. I must be all these horrible things because multiple adults have now said it to me. And that becomes, unfortunately, the illusion to them. Uh, so, again, I would say if you're a listener and you, you fall in that category, get help. You know, because you, you're taking your children along with like, a codependent trip with you.
2: Yeah. Matter of fact, I didn't, I wanted to die before I was 18. Because in my mind, if you're 18, you had to start abusing children. I don't wow. know where that came from. But I, that was my core belief. I I tell you, I don't even know, you know. And and I turned 18 and I was still alive. I'm like, now what the hell do I do? You know, <laughs> and I was scared to death to be a parent. I had my daughter, and I was scared to death. I was scared to death all the time. I had my son, I was scared to death. I would place them in foster care because of my fear. I didn't feel I deserved my kids. Wow! Well, you know? And that's again
3: and from your childhood. it. Debilitates us eventually. Right. And again, unless we get the help for it. And uh, yeah, it's easy to children. One thing I want to reflect on too, because I see this a lot today. And I discuss with professionals, and they've agreed who work for schools. You know, we have, of course, in recent times, they had the diagnosis of ADD, ADHD, attention deficit disorder. And some children honestly have it. And they can have the best parents in the world. They just have it. And I, and I hear that, and I'm glad this, this help for them. But one bad thing that has happened to all of that, like, you could have labeled me with ADD in a second, but I don't have ADD. I couldn't concentrate in school because I was abused that night or even that morning before I even went to school. OK, and I'm not going to focus or oh, I'm worried about, like I said, what's going to happen that night. OK, mm-hmm. and because of that, OK, like for example, maybe I leave the house He's drinking now in the morning. I'll forget tonight. It's going to be a disaster. So there's no way I'm concentrating on school. And I and, and there are children today who are labeled ADP and they're not. And it's like the, it, it lets the abuser off the hook, number one, because then the codependent dependent mm-hmm. parent says, see, it's not him. They have ADD, you know, and it's like, no, they have a quasi-ADD because you're being abused, you know. Or the other thing is, well, gee, my daughter suffers from depression. You know, she tried suicide. It's mental illness. Stop. There are some people, again, can have the best parents, and they have mental illness. Got that. However, okay, there are many cases where, no, your daughter is depressed because you're letting your husband abuse her for years, and then that's where the suicide. Yeah. But again, the misdiagnosed, mistreated, and the codependent and the abuser are both off the hook. So on one yeah. aspect, I'm, I'm thrilled that there's so much out there. There's young celebrities talking about, about mental illness, which is great. Uh, I'm thrilled that they can help out kids with ADD. On the other hand, it's frustrating because kids are thrown into those categories that that's not their issue, and the, the, the right. their abuse is not being dealt with. And then what you're doing is, you're once again telling the kid, it's you.
2: Yeah, 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 that's right. And I know that um, um, my son was diagnosed with ADHD. And at the time, uh, kids had to be on Ritalin or they couldn't go to school. So if you didn't give kids Ritalin, I had to fight my son to take Ritalin mm-hmm. and basically tell him, he not take Ritalin. And they would, they would have him go in school Halfway through school, all the kids that were on Riddler would get up to the nurse's office at the same time and wait there wow. for the Riddler and go back. Not like, let's just target the kids out, you know. And he said, Mom, I don't like how it makes me feel. I said, Rick, if you don't take it, I said that I'm going to be put in jail. Because you're not going to be, going to be able to go to school and you're going to be drunk. And, they're, and that's what I was told, you know. And he didn't like it. He didn't like how it made it feel. And then all of a sudden he started acting really bizarre and I brought him to the psychiatrist and he said, um, your son is, um, um, let's see, what is it? Some, something really bad. Um, um, psychotic. Your son is psychotic. Well, I just recently looked at a YouTube video that talked about, um, you know, Riddling can um kids psychotic. So it's, going home, yes. he gets a They just put him on antipsychotic meds, which then he could not function. Then they put him in a special school, you know, and he came home for the first time. He says, oh, Mom, he says, I don't know what I'm to do. And I said, what's wrong? He says, well, you know, I went to school and the teacher told us, you know, um, you know, I know you guys are behind and we're going to, you know, we're going to um don't worry about it because we're going to teach you slow, you know. And and I says, well, maybe that's okay for a while. And he goes, Mom, if I'm already behind and they're gonna just slower, how am they ever gonna catch up and I just kind of hit my head and went, "Oh my God, my kid does not belong it was so you know, but I couldn't advocate for them. I couldn't you know do anything um they gave me this i e p and it was just when they first came out it was just a whole bunch of garbage garbage all mungled together, you know they're like bits, bits and pieces of what to comprehend. hand and i had I had seen it and read books away and classes and everything. And I wrote an IEP and says, this, <laughs> you know, but I finally put him in um, a place called Barnwell here. And um, the first thing he did when he walked in the door, he says, I don't want to be in these meds anymore. So he said, oh, you don't have to be. But if you're doing something against the rules, you had to write down what happened, what you did, and what you could have done differently. And he said that's the best thing that ever happened to him. He went into permanent foster care, and it was a very stable home. They got mainstream back in school. He got scholarship for German. He had four years of free college because he's in foster care. He is doing amazing right now. I mean, he, you know, drives a tack flies all over, and but, but his had abused him, his biological mother, you know, and I gotten away from him when Rick was six months old. And he was having visitation, and I didn't know what was going on, you know, mm. and and I went through the whole bunny book and all that stuff, you know, with him. But his, and I was working on better women's shelter and helping women and helping kids and everything else. And the reason why he didn't know what was going on with them, and that's his story to tell, but um, was because his dad had told him, your mom cares about those kids, but not about you. He said that I could do that. Uh.
1: With
2: and see, that's where we all went, you know, because they're manipulative enough to know what, what it is going to get that kid keep quiet. Well, they know exactly what to say. It's a narcissism, and they know how to target it. Yeah.
3: You know, I think back to my father. and It's almost interesting because it's like he, he could be drunk saying things, but when he wanted to get a line out to me, because, the, the, you know, the four letter words were one thing, whatever, I was used to them. Yeah. But it's interesting how he almost got, like, like just sober for that moment <laughs> enough to say a full line or two that was below the belt, like you just like you said to your son, you know, uh-huh. And I would just listen to that. And, like, again, it looks like now that's really fascinating how you got coherent just enough to say something really treacherous to me, you know, and and then go back into your slurs and stuff. And and like you said, it just shows, again, the deviousness of it or the narcissism of it. But those lines work
2: because, you know, and,
3: and, you know, because you're a child, an adult telling you it. Right.
2: Well, and then when they're drunk, you know, they can remember – Everything they thought you did horrible while they were drunk, but they sure can't remember things they said or did. That you know, if you no. call it up, bring it up the next day.
3: It's interesting you said that. I, I knew of a, he retired. He was a therapist, worked in the rehab. he tried to get the families together. He obviously wanted them to get sober. It's a disease. Yeah. But he used to say yeah. to them, you know, if you're brave enough, like, you know, you think that you know, you know your story, right? You speak. Oh yeah, of course I do. Well, we're gonna sit have a session with your wife and kids, or maybe ex-wife and kids. It depends what it is, okay? Yeah. And yeah. let's see your real story. And they would tell him, well, this is what you did, and this is what you did. And it was almost like he was making amends for him, like in 12 Steps, you make amends. Um, but his yeah. line was, are you brave enough? Do you think you know your story? Oh, you don't know. I speak. Okay. Yeah. Are you brave enough to hear your real story coming from, you know, your kids? And And the mm-hmm. therapist was a successful way for those who wanted to do it because, they, because to the live up and the kid he was able to make amends with the you know obviously the former abuse was because of that right. but i but but you hit on the head with that, you know you were drunk at the time you, you, you don't remember a lot of things that you did,
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: you know, or the line is, well, I was drunk at the time, well, we weren't you know, mm-hmm. and we remember everything you did to us it did not make it hurt less because you were intoxicated
2: yeah. right, right. And you know, like with my daughter, I was trying to make amends. All mother stuff. It's in the past. You're, too emotional. But but we were very distant, you know, because they were in foster care. And I, you know, my son lived real close, so I got to see him every weekend. I could only see her once a month. And then she went off into her whole life of doing drugs herself, you know. Mm-hmm. And there was a long period of time we didn't have any conversations. And then we got back together when I was homeless. She brought me back here, and she was just so distant from me. And I just, you know, kept trying to talk to her. I said, mother, well, you're too emotional. And that's in the past. That's in the past, you know. And so what I did is I sat down and wrote a five-page men's letter. And then I had three people read it over, one, from, one of my Alan on sponsor, And I said, I want to make sure I'm not saying, I'm sorry, but. I'm sorry I put you in foster care. But I was in I'm a mental mm-hmm. hospital. I'm sorry, you're in sponsor care. You know, I was abused. I'm sorry that you felt might have felt abandoned when I went, you know, left and got in the psych word or whatever, you know, but I was abused. So I made sure that I wasn't saying, but, because you could say but any times and it discounts the whole sentence, you know, and I didn't say I'm sorry. Well, it's
3: funny things. you said that because yeah, I, 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 I learned
2: myself over the years. If
3: I'm going to apologize, <laughs> it has to be, I'm sorry for doing this. It was wrong. I'm sorry I got hurt. And you're so funny because when you add that well, button or, but I did it because
2: there's no longer yeah. an apology. It's an excuse. Yeah. I've talked to so many parents I told my kids over and over They're so mad at me And I keep telling them over and over I'm sorry, I'm sorry I was, I was an alcoholic And I said, that's not an apology What do you mean it's not an apology? I said I was sorry And then I have to sit down and break it apart And say, obviously Your kids don't feel that was an apology Because it still hurts them And that's all you have to do is acknowledge I'm sorry you got hurt And it shouldn't have happened. You know And they just kind of look at me Like I'm speaking another language <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, but, 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 I I have,
3: but I'm laughing because I, ha- I have run into that. And I want to go back to another thing, too, that I've heard over the years, too. You, now, let's say you have a parent that left the abuser, and, and God bless them, and, and, and they, they you know, broke it off and the kids. And I've heard this over the years. Well, my son's mm. in therapy, but I didn't put my daughter in therapy because her school grades are great, and she doesn't need it. And oh, I go, oh, man. no. I said, listen, valedictorians have committed suicide, okay? Yeah. Cheerleading captains have committed suicide. I said, or if they don't do that, you, what you're going to happen in the future is you're going to be a parent that's keep wondering, why is your daughter always getting abusive relationships? No one yeah. leaves an abusive household unaffected. They, they react no. to someone's an overachiever, someone's an underachiever. Yeah. I said, get them yeah.
2: all into therapy. Yeah. Well, I talked to a lot of them, because I was working with bad women in shelter, you know, and I was talking to them, and, you know, I'd say, you know. Your kids, you know, your kids will hurt and then, you know, they need to get help and support or whatever, you know, whatever you can find. And they'd say, well, no, my kid, you know, yeah, he beat me all the time, but he never touched kids. And I said, listen hmm. to this. I said, you've got a little kid in the room and their mom's being beat. He said, how do you think that's affecting your child? Oh, they're fine. They bounce back. And, I, it,
1: mm, you know, no. and
2: and it's built enough for staying there with their kids there. Then they feel you're <laughs> adding more guilt on because you're saying, just witnessing it is, you know, abuse, and it can get it can be get really tricky trying to work with somebody when they feel like they're getting blamed. Does that make sense?
3: Yes, and and, and let's face it, you sit here watching, manga beat. one or two things are going to happen. You're going to abuse yourself, like you said, or you'll be abused
2: in the future. It's one or the other. Yeah. Um, there. And, and again, I, wasn't a business, I was feared that I would be. And so that's I, you know, and, and I was having flashbacks and stuff, so I ended up in the psych ward, you know, and I was neglectful because I would space out, you know, and, and I know I did those things, you know, and I don't remember some of the stuff I did, but when my daughter or my son comes because I had shock treatment and I lost a lot of my memory, but when my kids come to me and say, mom you did this or you did that that i don't say oh i'm making it up or i don't remember you know i will sit down and talk it out with them what is it that i you know how did that make you feel and uh i have to you know that that's i've been sober 36 years neither one of my kids can be drunk or high but but that still doesn't matter you know Hmm. (laughs) they still had effects from the fact that I was in the psych ward and um, even was committed for a time, and, and, you know, there's, you know, some kind of pain, you know, um, not the severity of, you know, the, the abuse we're talking well, about. No one escapes it. No one escapes you know, a healthy it. healthy is going to listen to their child. Is going to listen to their child and they say, you know, that really hurts me when you say that, you know. A healthy parent's going to listen to that. Not smack them and say what the hell are you talking about? You know, hmm. uh, respect your elders, or you know, you're wrong, you're wrong. And and so there's just a whole different dynamics. So then, uh, <laughs> so then, he graduated from high school, let you let you get into more story. I'll be quiet. <laughs> well, yeah, well, really, well,
1: what I also,
3: what I want also mention to you, we started touching on it too. Is I've, I've I've heard this too. I've heard parents also say we said, well, he never ever touched them or me. Uh, for he said some horrible things, to us, but again, he never touched us. And then I'll go into how, well, again, that's what led me to suicide. A verb of abuse is taken extremely lightly. I know you had that poem, you know, Six um, um, and stones, <laughs> Rebecca bones, words never hurt yeah. me. But I've always said oh, well. whoever wrote that did not come from an abusive home, <laughs> because words can be <laughs> devastating. Uh, to someone. Yeah. And I always make right God, I said you don't know the damage that was done to your mm-hmm. kids by all oh, that verbal yeah. abuse. It is abuse. It it, it is abuse. Mm-hmm. And I and I always tell yeah. them that as well uh because it's important. And and, and if they and it's funny because most parents if they take the time to actually tune about it, wow, they go I never realized how hurt they were and how you know, yes, yeah. because these, these things mean things. Um also and another thing is lot well, I talk about bullying. Now, I, I'll preface this by saying some kids are bullied. They come from great homes. Mm-hmm. However, yeah. then you have the child that says they're always bullied. And why am I always bullied? Well, let's talk about this. Because just like some children can get into bad relationships automatically, and then adults, mm-hmm. they continue to do that, some kids fall yeah. into the role of being bullied. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Because yeah. they're being bullied at home, and that's the role they fall yeah. into. And, for, they play. and I've known kids like that. I look back to my old school years. They they fall into that category and uh, right. you're know, acting certain ways. And sometimes the teachers say, when you do that, you make the other kids go after you. Just don't do that. But the question is, why yeah. does this child do that? Why is this child yeah. getting all this negative attention purposely, you know? And I think
2: yeah. that that's an issue. Well, I,
1: I Another came thing I'm
2: crying because I was being bullied, and I came – I was raised with my grandparents, and I came crying. My grandma just told them that they were playing with me and being mean to me. So that made things worse. And and I kept, you know, I don't know. I understand why this was going on and stuff. And she says, "Well, I was, I was treated like that when I was little too." She says, and I figured, well, if if they're doing something to me, they're leaving somebody else alone. So, Hmm. what kind of messages that you give a kid? Like you're the, you're playing that you have got to be the victim so other people are safe. That's,
1: and that's how I grew
3: up. other thing I also stress to people, too, now on the reverse side, sometimes someone can bully someone and not realize they're even bullying Now What do I mean by that? When you live in, again, if you're from an abusive home and you're constantly being verbally bashed, okay, by the time you go to school or go to work, if you're an adult, I mean, you're raw already, you know. So, so what happens is they have the person, they're making jokes, they tease different people at work, they tease each other, they all laugh, yeah. and then that one employee or that one student comes, and, the, and they say the same exact thing to that student as they said to every other elf. And instead of laughing, they get angry, they curse, or they get scared, they cry, they run off. And what's the mm-hmm. reflex of saying, it? "You why can't you ever take a joke?" No one else did that. Everybody mm-hmm. else laughed. What's your problem? What yeah. you may not realize yeah. is their problem is they're being verbally abused at home. So when you do yeah. it now, it's almost an echo of that, and it makes them feel like I guess all these things are accurate about me because even they're saying it. So I say to people, if you see someone and their reaction's over the top, like what you said you mm-hmm. feel wasn't that bad and other people laughed at it, instead of chastising them, instead of going after them, stop, pause. Maybe they're being used on You don't want to be connected to that abuse. Back off the person. Don't do that. Say, look, I look like it bothered you. I'm re- I, I apologize. I did not do this to hurt you. I said this to everybody else. I didn't realize it would hurt you. I'll do it again, okay? I, I'm sorry. I never would have hurt you. And then after that, maybe give them a compliment when you see them after that. Hey, you look great in that shirt today. Hey, you know, in class today, that was really cool what you said. Um, Because I always say to people, it might be a simple little thing to give this person a compliment, but you might find
2: that that might be the only time in their life they're getting a compliment. That's right. That's right, absolutely. matter of fact, we had a teacher on that was um, talking about um, teachers now being trauma-informed. And a lot of times too, instead of you know calling home, the kid got you know Joey got in trouble at school today, whatever, whatever. You know they they cautious, They're very cautious about calling home. You know um, they do a lot of a lot of stuff that they never did. I was um, if you go back on one of the shows um, uh, a couple of weeks back, two weeks back, she was amazing, letting us know what they're doing these days. But we do have some uh, other uh, callers on the line. Um uh Doctor Nancy, are you there?
4: Yes, I am. I'm sorry I was muted. I've, I I had the mute button
2: on. Oh no hon. I just I wanna make sure that my <laughs> co the host here. I feel like I'm still attacking, I wanna let you We also have another yeah. caller on the line too. Yeah.
4: Um, well, Pretty much some of the questions that I had were already answered. So I'm really looking forward to hear more about um just more about the story and more about the work that's being done.
2: Okay. Okay. And then um we got Philip on the line. Um, Philip, I'm turning your mic on. Um, Philip, would you like to ask any questions you're making? Um, no questions today. Okay, well, thanks for being on uh, on the show with us, and I'll put you back on uh, to listen. And uh, yeah. yeah, so um, you've got you've got a book that sounds uh, phenomenal, and now you said that uh, do you go into school and stuff?
1: Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: I, I always love.
3: I mean, I've been on TV and so, and I enjoy that. But
2: schools are still my favorite because I'm looking at
3: the students. You know, uh, it's in person, and you yeah. can sometimes even tell my face expressions if something's hitting home. Uh, one of the things I try, yeah. it's a little harder in high school, but like in college, because the class is so much longer, um, one of the things mm-hmm. I like to do is, like, of course, you finish and I ask, anyone have any questions? Then after that, I, I box at a time, oh, guys, I'm going to hang around after this, just in case a uh, question you might have thought of, because those that didn't want to ask the question in front of everybody else, you know, will come up then oh, and yeah. ask. And, 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 it's, and it's always, uh, I, I still love that. In fact, a little bit ago, I spoke to a radio show from a college, and even the one, you know, the students really basically run it. But I think we had a, a whole other show when the show was over because they all had the questions they want to talk about yeah. afterward, which is, which is just always, always great. So that's still my favorite. You know, I mean, I mean look going me wrong, yeah. I would go on Good Morning America tomorrow or Kelly. But, but, but in the schools, I just feel like I, I guess you see your reactions, or sometimes, not always. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes they won't give me details. I don't want details. But like if a school social worker or, if a, or a principal or someone will email me or, or let me know in voicemail, hey, just let me you know uh, this student or a couple of students actually went to ask for help to the school social worker. Uh, so thanks. And that's yeah. really fulfilling. That's, that's oh, really it- fulfilling.
2: Yeah. yeah. I'm doing a um, thing for criminal prostitution awareness, and we had a video we took in the schools. And uh, usually the only schools that would let us in is the ones that it was very obvious, which was kids that are already having behavior problems, you know. And right, yeah. uh, in Minneapolis, Paul, you know, I called my school and, you know, it was, uh, you know, where the Dayton's and Donaldson's and Humphrey's went. And then the, we were in the, like, the poor pocket. But, you know, I called them up and wanted to come there and do the presentation. They said, we don't have prostitutes in our school. And I said, so I'd like to tell you that, you know, I, I went to uh, your school and <laughs> I was using <laughs> prostitution. You know, and and they just totally ignored and, and and backed it up with, we don't have prostitutes in our school, you know, <laughs> and uh, no, there was there was no way they are let me in there. But we went out and talked to social workers, and we had police police officers that we were training, and we were the churches that wanted to help um the people in their communities and stuff, you know, and things like that. Yeah, like you said, you wouldn't be you know, the people that. Would come up to me afterwards, um, in like the church, and say, you know, because I would talk about being, you know, the incest and that kind of stuff too, um, and because that's my my biological father used me in um, pornography, and my boyfriend, supposedly boyfriend, I don't call him boyfriend, and him, mm. he's my pimp, mm. you know. But um, but you know, uh, they'll come up to me afterwards and say, you know, my dad did this or that, but I could never say anything because he's just a guy in church and. But you know I, I don't know why I feel I could trust you, and you know I've been wanting to talk to somebody for so long about this, just to tell one person you know, and it makes you it just warms your heart to hear that one person they feel they can tell and I really believe I've talked to a lot of people that have come up to me I mean lots of people I never see again but a lot of people that, that you know like may an and i will just bring it up and they'll you know they'll have people come up to me afterwards me a week later or I might not see him for months and they'll come up to me and say, you know, you just mentioned that one thing there that, you know, your your dad sexually abused you or your dad raped you or whatever. Or, you know, I grew up in a dysfunctional family where there's alcoholism. And, you know, can I talk to you? Um, you know, and somebody said, well, we're going to quit talking about being abused. I said, as soon as nobody comes up to me after a meeting or the next week or, you know, in the future and says, I'm so glad you said something because that's why I keep going out and getting drunk and high because nobody's talking about it. I said, that's what I'll stop. And they're like, oh, man. <laughs> I sure they were hoping that I had a better explanation when I was going <laughs> well, to quit.
1: But I think
3: it goes back to, again, um, thinking you're the only ones or thinking you're just one of only a couple in the world. And then, of course, like you said, can't talk to someone so the escape became drugs and alcohol, or, you know, or like you said, sex and addiction as well. Um, and, um, but again, one of the things I'll say to people, if they pull me aside, I'll say, we're one of many. And I smile. And I'd let them know, is this classroom here? Let's count. How many, how many kids are here today? We'll count. How many students are here? And I'll say, mm-hmm. well, what's? what's, what's What's 25% of that? And I'll give them the number they are sitting there. Like, no, I can't be. I'm telling you, they fall into one yeah. of these categories. You know, right now in this classroom, there's someone thinking of killing themselves. Not maybe, there is. You know, right now no in someone's being yeah. abused. Okay? Not maybe, yes, they're being abused. And the list just goes on. You know, and I think yeah. that that becomes a critical, critical part uh, because it's, when you think you're the only one, it's a lonely place to be. It's, it's, yeah. it's a lonely
2: place to be. Um, I, I know the Dr. One guy was in uh, treatment with a man, with a, uh, in a men's meeting, in treatment, and um, um, he went up to the counselor, as they're going out, and he says, uh, I got a question. How many men do you think are in this group that you know might, might have been uh, sexually abused? And they were just about ready to open the door. He says, wait a minute. Before you guys open that door, I got a question. How many men were sexually abused as children? Every one of them raised their hand.
3: Wow. So, again, I, again and, and it doesn't surprise me. Because it's funny, I use, I, I use it in an example. Not that you would do this, but I've said many times, if I go into rehab and I ask how many, how many are going to raise it, if I go into and ask this question, and, and, and I'll always use that line, I don't care what studies are out there, you know, I've I dealt too many hands-on with people over the years. I want to mention one part that to answer more of your story. So I mentioned before, I'll di- digress back to it. So at one point, his physical abuse tapered off. He was getting older, but his, his abuse was there. But he wrenched custody for my mom at, at that time. Again, like I said, eventually I was running away from there and forced to care. But what he did was he just want to pay child support, very manipulative person. And he had an apartment in Long Beach, New York. And um, and now I look back and realize he had multiple girlfriends. So he had a girlfriend, then I'm gonna marry him, have a great home life. And of course, he left me alone in that apartment. Like he actually left some money there by food, at least. But like Monday through Friday, yeah. and then and pick me up on Friday, yeah. going to his girlfriend's yeah. house on the weekend. I used to wonder where he is. As an adult, I look back now and say, this guy was had multiple girlfriends. That's what. But I, and I always said my sixth, I was sixth graders, my loneliest because I wasn't speaking to my mom at that point because wow. so he turned it on her, neglect, abuse, mm-hmm. and, and again family court system this is what happens so bottom line is loneliest year of my life but uh, I will say this I have to what I did learn was so and that I was a minority in that neighborhood okay and uh, I thought at mm-hmm. the beginning oh, here we go I have a lot of problems with that one and I really didn't it was a very low income neighborhood and they basically embraced me. And this is not the group I joined by. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this, this group of kids just at the bus stop and stuff in school. I think they realized out the gate my life was as bad affairs theirs. And, but every kid at that bus stop, again, because of the neighborhood, every kid had an yeah. alcoholic parent. All of us were abused. Um, it, it was just, yeah. it, I think they just, they just instinctively like, knew I was one of them in that aspect. And, um, yeah. and then eventually, like I said, I forced the kid. And eventually my mom, whole the neighborhood, and, uh, and eventually self-help groups. But what I didn't learn even before the self-help, that, not that I picked my grains up at that point, but I did learn, again, looking back now, is child abuse, alcoholism, drug abuse. It doesn't know race or color. It doesn't know religion. It doesn't know Republican or Democrat, okay? It, 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 will, be, it will unbiasedly abuse everybody, and the symptoms are always the same. You know, it was, but our lives are different for each other, or we were different. But we had the same, we
2: would let, same stories. I mean, it was the, the same thing. a lot. of People, you know, they got, a, got an idea of like that. Oh, these kids are rich kids, and there's obviously, you know, they're doing well in school, and you know, because that's kind of what I grew up in. And I really kind of had that feeling, and I grew, you know, being boy. I, you know, I wish I was like that. I wish smart and you know take a bath more than once a month and you know things like that um you know um but i wasn't like you know mad at them or anything about it i just you know thought they lucked out in the draw i don't know
3: well yeah another thing too is years later both i should say both as a kid and young adult another thing too is like uh, in hollywood now you have all these late night shows now if you're if you have someone that has self-esteem issues or you have depression issues anxiety issues you're up late at night watching TV. That's a reality, okay? Uh, whether right, it's reruns right. of Lost in Space or, or or Star Trek, but but late night TV shows, no, good and bad. The positive thing is at least provides these late night shows provide at least you feel that you with a bunch of people, and you know, I, I give them that. But here's where it goes wrong. All these guests in these uh-huh. shows are laughing, having a great time. Who made the new album? Who's the new movie? And you kind of look and say. I guess I'm the only person in the world that's depressed. <laughs> I must be the biggest loser. Yeah. But then as years went on, yeah. those guests, one by one, ended up in rehabs. Unfortunately, some committed suicide. Uh, which ones went yeah. to hospitals for breakdowns? And all of a sudden, one, mm-hmm. including the young adult one, you know? And, uh, yeah. and so my point is, um, and I give the young adult ones credit because at least they're verbal about it. But my point is, you suddenly realize, just like in class, everybody was fronting, okay? Uh, even these late-night shows, is like, oh, I get it. I'm really not alone <laughs> in my thought I was because, like, these guys all yeah. have the same problem. They're just laughing themselves, you know. Uh, I mean, a big example, of course, would be Robin Williams, you know. Uh, right. uh, because, again, I relate to that, constantly joking around and so on. And, and he passed some yeah. comments, they said, of, of, you know, like mm-hmm. that he was depressed but no one took it seriously. Yeah, it's Robin Williams, mm-hmm. you know. And, of course, we all yeah. know what, yeah. what happened with that. And you have a lot of yeah. – um, you know, uh, I, I remember when uh, Freddie Prince. I got to Prince, meet
2: him in person. I got to meet him in person. It was the biggest, biggest. Did you? One of the biggest stories. Oh, my God, yes. I went an hour ahead of time. I wish I, was I could. Going to People his, say I look like him. Well, said yeah. I, I,
3: I looked like Robin Williams. I would have loved to have met him.
2: He walked, um, there was five of us all at the stage door in the back, and he walked right up to me and to sign my – I had a picture I got off the – internet you know off ebay whatever and asked him to sign it and he came up and he goes hi there how you doing i go oh my god and he pats me on the shoulder says relax relax it's just me and i went i know it you know and i felt like you know (laughs) so silly and stuff because there's like so many wonderful things i'd like to tell him you know because when he had 10 years sober i had 10 years sober you know and that's when he went
1: back
2: oh actually um he when he um finally did pass away he was um out here um, at Hazelton in a relapse program. They only announced it once, and then they just could say he was in a relapse program. They didn't say where. And I had this real strong feeling to go in there and say that I was ready to relapse to see if I could talk to him because I had a dream about him. And the dream was that we were both in treatment together, and and he came over to sit by me, and we started talking. And he says, you know, I have the hardest time, he says, because – Everybody always wants me to make jokes, he says, and I got some real problems, and I had a dream. And shortly after that is when I heard he was in Hazleton, and then I heard he died. And then I also found out, they didn't announce until a year later, that he had a debilitating disease that not only causes dementia, but severe pain. And Mm -hmm. that's more what it had to do with. um, They said that, yes. Yeah.
3: But I still think the example stands. That really, I, I, think, I mean, as a writer, I'll say you can't judge a book by its cover. But as far as people, again, the joking. Because again, yeah. I was never a lack, I was never a lack of energy, never a lack of no. talking, making jokes. So if you judge it on that, you think I had the best life in the yeah.
2: world. Oh yeah, I went that way too. I was always laughing and making jokes, and I knew I had a mask on. You know. And when I took that mask off, people were like, oh, my God, what happened to you? You know, you're not smiling anymore and laughing and joking. And, you know, I'm like, I'm being real. You know, I'm playing with my issues. But well, we like people, yeah.
1: too.
2: You know, and it, it, it makes you sad because you're really trying to, you know, connect with people on a different level.
3: Well, you're coming down from that level. And it's so important, again, to get the help. I remember one young celebrity had said that when they're on tour – they're on top of the world. They're surrounded by people. I relate to this because they said they have a loneliness yeah. problem, and they're surrounded by people on tour. And when the tour is over yeah. for that year, they said going back to their house, they destroyed. They're so lonely. Now, obviously, that's some of the therapy or something would help. That again, a twelve-step program, whatever they need oh. to join. But again, but I see the facade though, surrounded and happy and this and that, and but never dealing yeah. with your problems. You know, I, I now during our mm-hmm. shutdown. If you remember, a lot of people had that. And and let's go back to abuse and shutdown, because I mentioned earlier that one of the things I learned was stay away from the abuser as Mm -hmm. much as you can. And, you know, for any educators listening to this, I mean, you think about the quarantine. The worst thing that could ever happen to an abuse victim was they were surrounded with the quarantine with an abuser. Okay. And Mm -hmm. they kept the liquor stores open. So they had plenty
2: of supply to mm. go yeah. get drunk, yeah. uh, and so but the so bars were more open. So the thing was, is they could go get the liquor, but they came home to the family or or whoever, and and, and were in there, and it, the people that were locked in that couldn't go out to say, better women support groups or or school to tell a teacher or community group to you know it's hard enough for kids to tell, but you know like when I heard that people couldn't go out, I didn't think the first thing, oh geez. I can't go out shopping. The first thing I thought of, oh, my God, the kids and the people in domestic violence are trapped now. And, and, then, and then they were. And, and I
3: stress the I teachers this. I stressed to them, if yeah. you have a kid that's mm-hmm. off now and different, don't blame on in the quarantine for what happened during the quarantine. But let's go back to even verb abuse again. That means yeah. this child was bombarded by this verb abuse constantly
2: with no escape because mm-hmm.
3: they couldn't go to the friend's and house. Can their and friends parents they can't come and over. Then,
2: even condition not to tell even stronger. Now when you get back to school, you don't dare say nothing, or you know when you well, get back to it. And to
3: the, the, the number one way some child abuse is reported is by a teacher, so that means thousands of cases that would have been reported were not reported because there was no yeah. school, and no teacher to report it. So again, abuse to my opinion, once an all time high. Um, and, yep. and of course, and, and, yet, and yet the abusers got away with it because those no teachers say, "Hey, look at this student mm-hmm. over here and go right down to the school social worker 's office so it was a tragic thing, but I say that the verbal is i 've stressed the teachers that now it 's going on time you in my opinion, you' walking time bombs now these children because they 've had this over yeah. abuse that they 've had even more than they used to, and now the damage to that abuse is now going on, so I, I, I stress the teachers. You hold on because, again, then you see the increased suicide rates. You're going to see these things going on because the fact that, again, they've put up with this abuse. And, and one example I, I use to people is that we you ever see a story about a hostage and the hostage was captured and then they got freed, everyone's happy. And what do they always say yes. on, on the program? What got you through this? Oh, thinking about going home, thinking about my family. Well, what I stress to people, you be know, abuse, you're having the same things done to you that a hostage gets done to them when they're taken, except there's no light at the end of the tunnel in your head because the fact that you are home and it's your family that's yeah. doing the abusing to you. Um, yeah. So I just want to stress through that that's what it's like for an abuse victim.
2: Yeah, and we were taught stranger danger, you know, and I was always looking for that creepy man jumping out in the bushes cause he was a really <laughs> bad nonsense. <you> know? <laughs> so I couldn't imagine how bad he was. What I was going through, you know, and and this, we were told not to talk to strangers. Who's a stranger? The teacher, the police officer, <laughs> social yeah, <laughs> the counselor. Those are all strangers. These are, you know, blood is thicker than water, or you know keep the cigarettes in the home and all that. I mean, that's just built up a whole bunch well, with more. Me, it
3: was basically, I would feel up. that if I reported it, that they would just think that, well, what did you do? That was so bad. That was always my, yeah, I would be the bad guy in it. The other thing too, is when I was suggested to even speak to school social workers, my, my, my famous or infamous line was, I know what they're going to say. I know what they're going to say. And I found years later, I didn't know what they're going to say, but a lot of school social workers, school counselors, psychologists have resources and maybe have information suggestions that you really didn't think they had. And I always trust mm-hmm. that people go with them. And sometimes a young person will say in school, well, um, I want to bring my friend with you and she doesn't want to go. I said then offer to the go with her, okay? Offer to go with her to the school social worker, school, whatever it's going to be, okay, self-help group. And uh, so I make that suggestion sometimes to people, or maybe, again, if you're a school social worker, let the students know, hey, if you're thinking about this but you want to bring a friend with you, Okay, or if, you, if you're a friend, you know, you could both come to my office. Eventually, yeah, you weed out the friend being that you wasn't alone, but if that's the way you get mm-hmm. them there to begin with, then fine.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, but
3: that's always something yeah. I, I recommend to people.
2: Yeah, the teacher that was on was also saying they have a, you know, I don't know what they're called, but those little squares that have a whole bunch of little jumbled dots on them that you can scan, I don't know, different things. Anyway, they have in right. schools now. Or they have them in the Minneapolis school. I don't know if they have them everywhere. But anyway, you can scan it on your phone, the kids scan. and it goes to a um, – you can either um, go through the hotline through it or it's a whole bunch of information on, like, suicide, depression, and all kinds of stuff like that. And it, it has, like, talk to your counselor and, you know, this was how to do that or whatever. It has a lot of information on there. And well, I, I never knew that. more was, the better. And the yeah. ultimate goal, yeah.
3: though, to me, like even in my books, I always end most of them by, again, trying to defer the student to this counselor, trying to to the school social work. I'm, I'm repetitive. Like, on the different topics, I'm not repetitive. I, I mentioned my the different aspects, whether it's suicide, whether it's being a child of an alcoholic, self-esteem, child abuse. But what happens is, um, but I usually end it by, again, encouraging to get that help, okay? Um, because that's the most important thing. Because I don't care who, what, how great of a writer you are. You're only going to accomplish them by writing. Your ultimate goal is to get them to what, whether it's meeting in a church that's somewhere true. or whether it's a school counselor, connect them to getting help. That's their real recovery, and that's always my yeah. push You know, to do that, uh, to launch them mm-hmm. off and connect them to that school social worker, school psychologist again, because that's where the real thing, is. that's when it's all going to begin. And that's where that to determine what kind of abuse do I, you know what I'm saying, uh, what they yeah. want to do about that abuse, again, whether it's authorities, whether bring the mom in, let's talk. Uh, it, it, that's critical. And a lot of schools, not all, I, I used to work close with one school social worker. She also had groups in her school, you know, right there, like, 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 like almost uh, echoing yeah. like 12-step programs, but they weren't. And uh, which I thought was because I spoke to some of them. She'd actually come and speak to them, which they, well, yeah. well, they had a different period that would have it. And I thought it was, and I thought that was just awesome. They kind of sneak in. She kept it very secluded. Oh, yeah. They sneak in, they have their meeting, uh, but right there in school. Yeah. And, oh man, I said, that's a phenomenal idea right there in the school, yeah. you know, uh, to do that. Yeah. What a security, and what a security blanket for, for children too. You know, when I speak on bullying, I think one of the mistake, mistakes, you know, some of the mistake is, the parents will go to a principal, dean. They don't go to the school social worker, and here's the problem with that, because even then you'll hear the things reported, but the kid still was bullied after all. On force of child to commit suicide, and what I what I say is, you always want to involve the school social worker because that's their job. They'll make it a point of checking up on your child. Okay, how's today right. going? Okay. The school administrator mm-hmm. can only do so much. They 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 have a a, a problem that happened in the school. They can't focus on your kid right now. I got I got to deal with this problem now. Okay, um.
2: So the, now no one's checking on it. I so said you reported it, but nothing happened. They're trained that. in something different too, as well. They're not trained in doing Absolutely. that. That's why they have to. Yeah. Ah.
3: I, I, thank you. So I always tell parents: if you really have a bullying, you you can speak to the administrators by all means, but connect it with whoever that person is in the school their training is better, and that they will follow up with your child. As opposed supposed that's their job. So that, that's another
2: important uh, thing I want to get out there. Well, that, that's why I like being the Minnesota ambassador for NASCAR I have business cards. And I'll be talking to parents even, like, you know, because I go to AA and I'm talking to people all the time. And, you know, they're saying, oh, boy, I, you know, they hear my story. And, I, you know, i got to talk to my kids about this, I know, but I just don't want to do it. And I'll say, well, you know. I can't give you all the answers, but here's, you know, here's a website. It's got my number on if you ever want to call, but don't worry about that. Go on the website. There's a whole bunch of information and people won't realize all the information that is on the NASCA website. And I encourage everybody to go and it's org. And uh, there's, there's information for parents and how to talk to your kids about good and bad touch. There's um, information um, for adult survivors, there's information on there if you want to become a part of NASCA and be a volunteer. Um, we have so many needs because we don't get government funding of any sort. We don't get um, any grants or anything like that. It's all it's all donations, you know. And uh, most of the the founders founders Bill Murray. who got you know some people that give monthly gifts and things. But the thing is, is that you know um, every little bit helps. You know. And I'm not talking money too. I'm talking time. You know, I'm talking no, of course. you know absolutely. Once a month or something or one little project uh, to be part of. Um, um, everybody could do something if they want to. You know, and the other part of that is they don't have to. You know, just because you're a survivor and you've survived doesn't have to say like you did go out and speak and write a book or or that, you know. Just just the fact you survive is enough. I, I just want to make it clear to people that just by surviving is enough. But if you do want to do anything, you have opportunities. And then I also to make sure before, because our time runs quick, um, if you could tell um, the name of your book again and um, how to get a hold of you, if um, people would like you to come to the schools or, you know, what else you got going on. Sure. So as far as the
3: book, so uh, it's the teenage and young adult survival handbook. It's It's short. It's to the point on each topic because when you go into these things, your attention span is not the best. And, again, I covered, like I said, my own experience in survival and how I did it. And, and you always give hope, like I said. Uh, and, again, I, I address suicide, being a child, child and alcoholic, uh, a victim of abuse. I discuss bullying. Uh, I also, I, even a part in there I have about surviving the holidays in this dysfunctional home. Now, what I do, which is unique, is if you took that handbook and went in front of a classroom and said, who wants this? No one's raising their hand. Are you kidding me? So I have four young adult fiction novels. They read their action, they're exciting. They read just like an exciting movie a young person wants to see. That's all I ever hear. This would make a great movie. Uh, One's called Runaway. One's called Child's Island. One's called The World is Wrong. And one's called Who Am I? Every one of them, the Teenage and Young Adult Survival Handbook is inserted into it. So now if a young person wants it the premise can be I'm buying it for the fiction book, you know, so I love these kinds of stories and this way they're not embarrassed or in reverse, if you want to help out a young person, you hand them the book. Okay. Uh, and uh, now what's this? Well, I, I know you like these kind of science fiction stories or actions. St- oh, all right. And you just pray a Hail Mary that while they're reading it. Okay. They'll say, what's this? And they look into it and say, Oh, and now you've got their attention. And the whole purpose of it is again, like I said, you're not alone. You can survive this. There's hope. Your life could be different and get help. And I even have a part of it where, like you just said, different websites and 800 numbers that they can go to depending on what their situation is or what their comfort level is, where they want to go. Uh, so how do you get this? Mm-hmm. Uh, first off, that or also contact me for a speaking, of course, to your school or your show. It's powerpublishingcorp.com. That's powerpublishingcorp, C-O-R-P. C-O-R-P. PowerPublishingCorp.com. that's just the books; there's all sorts of resources in there, and you can always find me at either um, Instagram at Author Steve Simpson or Facebook at Author Steve Simpson. Uh, so, again, um, Instagram at Author Steve Simpson, author like a writing author, and Facebook at Author Steve Simpson. So, these are ways to get a hold of me. And uh, again, even someone just wants to chat, wants me to speak. It's not just ordering the books, but there's a lot of stuff in there. And I try to post different interviews because every interview is unique and different points are
2: made in different ones. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And uh, again, I, I want people to know that um, NASCA also, um, we have a blog talk radio show uh, five nights a week, um, same time and uh, same phone number call in. And then also we have three uh, Zoom support group meetings on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays. And uh, I run the birthday one. And uh, I don't know what time anybody else is. You have to do your own math. Um, it's from 1 to two thirty six time. And you just go on the NASCA website front page. It's um, a giant number. There's no password. And uh, anybody's invited to join. That's an adult survivor of child abuse. And uh, it's, it's uh, pretty laid back. And just, you know, we talk about what you know, what happened to us, and, and what's going on with us now, and things are affecting us now, and what's good in our lives, and um, it's it's just a really good group of people, and uh, it's not like you got to sign up for six weeks. Through. You know, it's just like a come when you can, and uh, we just want to invite everybody that that would like some support, and uh, you know, maybe we can find you some additional help. It's not a cure all, though. Give up your therapist.
1: <laughs> you
2: know, um, I, I always have to say that when I tell people go, Hey, hey, no, don't give up your therapist or what else are you doing that's making you know, making things work for you right now. Um, it's just an addition uh, to help people. And it, like I said, there's just so many resources out there. There's so much more than there ever was. And one thing I think about the pandemic is it's really, you know, sports people think what's important in their lives, you know, because we're not out hustling bustling. People weren't out hustling, bustling and they were spending time with themselves. Not like some of it turned out tragic because being alone isn't good. But but, you know, even NASCA, Bill was having meetings at his house, you know. And all of a sudden he couldn't have meetings at his house, so he started zoom meetings uh for support groups. So then now we have you know, three times a week. Um, there was never that idea before, you know. And and there's a lot more things online and stuff so you know keep searching and I tell people keep telling your story until somebody listens and you know somebody until you get the help you need we all deserve it and I'm gonna let you uh, we've got a little bit of time left so if you've got any additional things you'd like to say or if Dr. Nancy would like to come and uh, join us um, with anything that you'd like to add or ask
4: yeah no I'm just gonna say that it is wonderful Um, Well, thank you, first of all, for being a guest tonight. Uh, Just a wealth of knowledge, so just thank you for sharing. And I did want to say, you know, that it is good that we're able to have these support groups. Um, Different people have different ways of healing, so even if you come out and join and and participate even one night, um, like Victoria was just saying, you know, it's not something that you have to do all the time, but let's say you come one time, and that opens up a window where you'll be able to hear something from that meeting that can help support you or guide you to your next step. So, yes, you don't have to, you know, everybody's recovery looks different. And so, yes, you can go to a therapist. All those things are wonderful, but not everybody starts there. You may start at a group and then realize that you want to go deeper into your recovery and into your healing. So just taking the first step. Thank you.
3: Yeah and, and I like and I always say um whether it's a group whether it's therapy whatever the situation is almost all people say that they get more than they expected they were going to get you know uh I I normally always hear that
1: from people Yeah
3: You know, it's a matter of, uh, and I also, by the way, another thing as far as child abuse, now let's talk about, we'll go back to that again. As far as neighbors and, and, and other adults, you know, there's always a talk about how it's just never reported and people are aware it's going on. Okay. You know, I always make the joke that in most neighborhoods if someone puts the garbage out on the wrong night, someone's calling 911 on them, you know, but when it comes to child abuse, suspicion. Oh well, we shouldn't get involved with that don't don't don't, don't get involved they't tell each other don't don't go anywhere yeah. and yeah it, it blows my mind out you are involved, you're an adult, you know, and I always say if you suspect it it's probably accurate, and many even aunts right. and uncles and grandparents sometimes I mm-hmm. think they're being abused we 're not sure, so I say if you have the ability invite the child to stay over for a weekend or if there's you know a phase with you, and then while you're there, maybe you can somehow talk to them, and see what's going on. Because, again, right. too many adults have said, you know, I thought something was going on, I never figured it was that bad. How many times have you had people say that, right? And um, many. find out if it's that bad. Do something now, right. not when your kids, and they're in a rehab, or, or again, or in jail, or worse, <laughs> fighting for their life in a hospital because they tried to kill themselves. Um, you know, so I always tell the concerned adults how many family members Adults have said they suspected something but didn't dream, oh, my goodness, I never dreamed it was this. Invite them over. Spend time with them. Get them out of that house, okay, Mm -hmm. and then make a determination at that point. Uh, But to not report things to not be interested in it, you're you're, you're aiding it. You're aiding and abetting, in my opinion. Be a hero, okay, Uh, and and make that effort. Yeah, teachers are mandated to report. Neighbors and even (laughs) adults are not. But technically, morally, you're mandated to report
2: it. I agree. I agree. And by the way, was, you'd be uh, helping the abuser because some this, abusers can help. This out, I heard this screaming outside my window, and I looked out there, and this lady was beating on the car door on the, passenger, on the driver's side. And I didn't see nobody on the other side. And, and all of a sudden, I thought there's a kid in there uh, hiding on the ground, you know. And and she's beating, beating and screaming, you know, open up the door, open up the door, because I opened my window to hear what she was saying. And uh, anyway, the door unlocked, and, and she got in, and I seen her beating down towards where, you know, would be the passenger seat on the floor. And, and I took a picture of the car. I didn't get the license plate, but it was a very unique car, you know. I mean, it was just this weird-looking car and uh, a weird color and stuff. So I called the police. And and they says, um, you know, um, asked me the kind of car. I said, I have no idea. Explain what happened and what I saw. And um, they said, well, did they go east or west on this road? And I go, well, here's where I live. And they went, right. I have no idea what direction that was. And he <laughs> says, we're going right now to check up on it, you know. And, um, you know, it it was like I could have just went, well, God, I hope that kid's okay, you know. And it, you think about if people are doing stuff in pu- public. What are they doing in private? That's all of oh, mine. My... I've
3: always said that. When you see somebody that's like mm-hmm. that, okay, what are they like yeah. at home? Even when I watch TV and I see certain celebrities or athletes that are drunk or they're fighting with people and fist fighting, yeah. I said, this is their mm-hmm. best behavior. What yeah. are they like when right. they go home to their family and kids? Yeah. Do you think they turn that off? You know, mm-hmm. And uh, so that's, I've always said that. And, again, people, and you did the right thing. You, did, you called the cops. God's hands. What happens there? But you made the effort. You know, it's just a matter of just making an effort uh, for the thing, and however the things things unravel. Uh, but just really, again, I can't stress enough. You know, don't be able to feel it could have, would have, should have. You know, in ten years later.
2: Right. Yeah, well, I have a lot of adults my age. I'm sixty-one. Say, you know, boy, I remember. Those little- you know, a girl that used to sit out in the soda with no sh in and coat, you know, and they'd leave her all there for three hours and you know, everybody in the neighborhood knew it and you know, um and then uh they just moved away, you know. And and I'm like, you know, um your parents didn't think that was yeah, they, they felt sorry for that kid sitting out there and they said nobody ever thought of, you know, calling or trying to get that kid out. No. And just my it just makes me want to cry. It does. No, it does. I think the
3: more we just make
2: people aware,
3: the more we just keep saying it in, out there, and the more they see things. Uh, I think is imperative. Uh, yeah. As far as that, you know, and, yeah. and again, there's a lot that has to
2: that's, that's horrible. That's horrible. These mm-hmm. shows, and, you know, child abuse, and that's horrible, and talk about and stuff, but. I always say, what kind of action can you take April? Could be child abuse Worship prevention month coming up around the corner. Of course, I always say we need more in a month. We need the whole year. <laughs> but, um, well, yeah, it but was
3: anyway, funny because I, uh, I, I said, yeah. like, uh, it was, it was suicide Awareness month once, and I said, do you think people only commit suicide in, in September? You know, I, you know, so yeah, And they kind of left, I guess, to your point. Yeah, So like you said, child abuse, it goes on year long. And look, it's certainly more talked about now. We, we've come some way, but we do have a Long way to go still.
2: Long, long way, though. Yeah. You know, some people said, oh, make a mission statement that, you know, you're going to wipe out child abuse. And I said, you know, you've got to make a mission statement. <laughs> that <It's> something achievable. <laughs> you no, know, it's the expectations, you know, yeah.
3: expectations. Yeah. And I agree with you on that one, too. And uh, my thing is just to make more, I always say, give more people aware, give hope, you know, let a young person, maybe they can get out of that situation let them aware, let them aware yeah. that they can. I was going to say before, too, by the way, some are afraid of reporting, oh, I'll, I'll get my brother or sister or whatever, uh, grand, son or nephew in trouble for abusing his kid. This might be the one time they get help, because sometimes they're many days yeah. of therapy and maybe they will get help. If they don't get help, you save the child. But sometimes the ricochets, <clears throat> they get help, or the call-dependent parent gets help. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I yep. always say because kids are hesitant in reporting, they they don't want to Rat out the other parent. I always say you're helping mm-hmm. them. because They're doomed to a life of abuse mm-hmm. and, and, and all yeah. this crazy codependency. So I always say that it's only a positive mm-hmm. thing to report it. You're not telling on, you're making people aware so you can get help out of this abuse and they have a shot at that point. If it's yeah. drinking or what the
2: clean up gets well, over, whatever I, their situation when, is. Women that talk to me and say, you know, well, um, you know, um, I you know I know my kid is being abused, whatever, but I'm afraid of him. And I said, I think you're afraid of him, think of how afraid your kid is. You know, you've got more there you power go. than the kid has. Right. You know, this child has no power, no rights to nothing. You're the one that needs to be advocating for them. You can end it. And you're the
3: yeah. adult. Your child can. Yeah. Well, they, I mean, right. they could obviously through their school, but you as an adult can end it right away.
2: That's right. right. That's right, and then um. Sergeant Nancy are uh, sure you trying to say yeah, something? Yeah. yeah, go ahead and
4: I, I was agreeing with you guys um you know that the right the um the child doesn't have any any power, <clears throat> and it's our job to advocate not just for our children but for all children and um <clears throat> I just you know you guys mentioned earlier. Many times people will turn their heads when, some, when a child's being abused, but be quick to call the police when you're touching somebody else's trash or, you right. know, not minding your business. And we have to just make sure that we bring awareness to this issue and stop turning our heads. This is something that we used to do back in the days. Back in the days, people would turn a blind eye, but we can't keep doing that today. We just can't.
3: Yeah. Right. no because I mean the guilt's on you then you are an adult, you know what I'm saying and, you know it's like when they say the airports if you see something say something, you know a, a, right. you know yeah. luggage is left by itself well, this is yeah. so important if you see something say something, you know it's okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. be a hero'
2: actually you would yeah. be that child yeah that
1: was yeah a hero. and and i mm-hmm.
2: actually I actually did a re- research on uh, the amount of money that was get giving for um animals that had been abused according to kids that being abused. And I can't even quote it because it just made me physically ill.
1: <laughs>
3: yeah. I run yeah.
2: across that. I love animals
3: and those things on Facebook. I love it. I get crazy. I like, the, you know, I like the happy ending to the animals better. But that being said, you are you almost are yeah. right, the money there. And not to mention, if you go on Facebook, you have a bunch of things and animals being abused. And God bless them. I'm all for this organization. I love animals. However... Why are there so many more than you see kids? How many do you see when you go on Facebook Time of kids, organization kids? Very rare, okay? I think I see the lost and missing kids, child but not about abuse, okay? And and you hit on the head with that one, but there's tons of animals. I think our, we shouldn't stop the animals by any means, but I think our priorities cool. are a little mixed up here.
2: I agree. I agree. I agree 100%. And then, um, yeah, we all, you know, um, want to make sure that, uh, you know, that, that people aren't feeling alone in this. And uh, we have um, on the NASCA website, we have um, ambassadors for the different states and stuff. And, you know, um, just if, even if your state's not on there or you can't get a hold of somebody from another state, we have all our phone numbers on there. And the reason why we have our phone numbers on there is because we want people to call us. We want to, you know, we want you to know that you're not alone and, if, you know, you're feeling that way. Please call us. We're not a suicide, you know, like crisis line or anything. You know, we're just individuals. We're not professionals, as you had quoted on yours. Um, but, but we're people that have been there and people that care and people that will listen. And uh, um, nobody has to be alone. Nobody should ever be alone. Um, when I, you know, first went to um, a group that asked me to come out, oh, we've got 90 seconds. Boy, that went quick. <laughs> well, I hope you yes come it back did. again because we've got so much more information. Thanks, everybody, and uh, thanks to you, Dr. Nancy, and uh, I night. really appreciate coming. On. And uh, thanks for having us. This it. was awesome. This yeah. was this was really awesome. Okay, okay, okay. okay. I'm all. Okay. Now, God bless um, children, and God bless all the adult survivors of child abuse. Thanks, everyone. Good night. Good night.
0: we